we welcome Joe McDonald. Joe is Global Head of Insights and Lifestyles at WGSN. First of all, you guys need a bigger room. It was <laughs> sold out. There were fights in the hallway. I don't know if you know. There were no, fights I in the hallway. And definitely you need a bigger room because people were waiting a long time. It snaked around all over and people were cutting. I was like, "Who's? where's the injustice? Let me fix this. Totally. So I really, really loved the conversation about digital avatars. Is there, can we chat about that a little bit? So let's get into it. Let's talk about WGSN and your presentations and contribution to Con Lion. You come at it from a different perspective, which is here's where the trends are, here are our insights, here is our research. And so that's a little different because everything else is sort of maybe more anecdotal. So it's really refreshing to sit in on your sessions. Yeah, thank you. So WGSN, we're the world's foremost trend forecast. We've been around for about 25 years and started very much in the fashions and over 25 years, we have evolved and we cover a whole range of different industries now, beauty, interiors, food and drink, technology. And the, the department that I work for is all around consumer marketing and retail trends. So really making sure our clients are with the information they need, the trends that are emerging to create the right products and services for their customers. So this at a macro level is is around sustainability, geopolitics, right the way down to what's McDonald's latest marketing strategy? How are people using virtual influencers? What do you need to know in the creator economy? The idea being that, that as a brand or as an agency, you can take that information and use it as the basis for your strategy. And we've had, we've had a long relationship with Cam Lions, actually. We've, we've presented there for a number of years. And we always just try and surface interesting and relevant trends. And it's always that balance between the actionable and the inspirational and the macro. So, so making sure that it's big picture and it's, it's grounded in our research methodology, but also making sure that people can, can take something away from the session. So in the case of, of virtual influencers, it's a new space. It's a really, really exciting space. It's absolutely crazy. You know, it's just, it's bizarre. And it's the kind of thing that, that brands and agencies are looking at and thinking about. One of the points in the presentation was from a brand perspective, working with a virtual influencer is absolutely perfect because your copywriting team can write all their copy so it can be approved by the brand. Um, you can write their, their speeches, their, their tone of voice. Everything can be sanctioned. Your design team can create them, can style them. You can control diversity and inclusion. They can be everywhere simultaneously you can do a campaign in brazil or you can do a campaign in the us and it could all launch at the same time and it just gives a whole load of possibilities and and on top of that there's also the whole anthropomorphic element as well so there's some of the virtual influences are hyper realistic you know almost in, indistinguishable from people right the way through to kind of wacky 2d cartoon characters manga cartoon characters even there's one called nobody's sausage and um it's a kind of hot dog, kind of dancing, talking hot dog. So from, yeah, from a brand perspective, it's, it's a really interesting space and it's just going to continue to develop. Do you think it's a bit early for just the sort of middle of the bell curve for them to think about that type of activation? 
I think it depends on your brand because lots of brands are already working with them. So in China, the space is a lot more advanced and actually L'Oreal have a virtual influencer who runs across most of their social media platform, platforms in China. And he's called Mr. Mr. U, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, but he, he, his character is he's half Chinese, half French, and he's 24 and he cares about the environment, but also cares about personal care, you know, beauty and all the kind of categories that L'Oreal touches. And he's leading campaigns over there, but they've got a plug in so you can chat to him on WeChat. And, you know, this is quite a good signpost of which direction it's going. Similarly, Prada for their candy fragrance range used a digital influencer, digital news called Candy. And they actually dropped Leah Sadu for that campaign because they said in a press statement they wanted someone who was more, more Gen Z, to connect better with Gen Z. And then on the other hand, you know, you've got someone like Little Michaela, who's been around since I think probably 2017, 2018. And uh, she has worked with loads of different brands. She's produced music in one campaign. She, she kissed Bella Hadid. So lots of brands are experimenting in this space. At the moment, from looking from the outside in, most of them are fashion or luxury brands. What I'm really yet to see is a mainstream consumer brand doing it. You know, I, I haven't seen Ford do it, for instance, or Target yet. So I, I think it's probably early stages in that at the moment it's kind of high fashion. But, you know, we're, we're predicting and we expect it to become more and more of a trend as consumers get used to it, as consumers get used to the, to the, the kind of notion of something not being there in real life, not being a real person. Ford. Ford should. I think that's actually an excellent suggestion. Mm. Let me ask you a question in terms of the the way the digital avatars this is a little bit in the weeds, but I'm just as you're talking, I'm like, okay, so brands can either create their own and have it be a brand ambassador. Or there is someone that's created and has their own personality and hence following with whom the brand can partner. Those are what we see now as the two different types of digital avatars or ambassadors. Would, would that be correct? Yeah, definitely. So if you view the, the pre-existing virtual influencers as kind of a spin-off of the influencer celebrity culture, you know, you can you can pick someone like Lil Michaela and then contact her team and, and work with her for a kind of range of different campaigns. You know, there's a few there's a few kind of hyper famous ones out there like like Shudu and basically treat them as celebrities or influencers. You know, you need to sign a, a contract, you need to sign a deal and, and work out what, what regions, what platforms, how much access do you have with them. Very traditional celebrity talent management. The other side is to basically create your own. And this is where the space starts to get quite interesting because you can create, whether it's a, a hyper realistic human model, or whether it's a character. And then, you know, like I was saying, your design team can design them, your copywriters can write their copy, your social, social media managers can manage their account, and you can grow their following as a ambassador, as, as a character, but you're in full control of them. And you can decide what projects they work on, how they talk to their fans, how they engage with people. And that's a really exciting space because we haven't really seen anything like that from a brand perspective ever. You know, they, they essentially become a, a mascot that is almost living and breathing. And you know, the question from a consumer point of view is, do you necessarily want to interact with a, a real version, a kind of virtual version of a brand's logo? Probably not. 
you know, you don't necessarily want to, to interact with their mascot. But if you can create a really compelling narrative around a character or if you're within a house of brands and you've got a whole range of different brands and characters and kind of interact with them and promote them, I think that becomes really interesting from a consumer point of view. It's also new and exciting. Some of the videos with, with Zero, who, who's created by Offbeat, who we partnered with for the presentation. Zero is, is streaming on Twitch, but also interacting with people on message boards. And that an instant reaction when they realize that this cartoon character is talking to them is, is priceless. People aren't expecting it. And uh, you know, that, there's that novelty factor. You sort of have me, had me cringe a little when, if a brand were to do their own and then control all the narrative, right? and have the copywriters, I'm, I'm thinking a room full of like, you know, typewriters like this, like say this, say that, say this. But I think actually where this go, will go very quickly, if it's not there already, you're the trend guy, you'll confirm if this is true. Basically they, they work off of AI. So in other words, the responses build off of the questions. More and more types of questions get more, more and more built into this. And that to me is where it gets extremely scalable. And the truth is, in that in a case like that, back to all of the benefits which you can control, they won't make mistakes. So if you even want to fill them with, let's say you are actually promoting something and it's live, there's no chance of a mistake. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the, the good thing about, about virtual influencers is that they're not going to get drunk and you know offend anyone they're not going to kind of get arrested you know they only live in the virtual space so so from a brand perspective there is that that kind of security factor there's a few different ways to create them and probably the most difficult would be algorithmic so so to kind of create something that you can program responses and can just render in in 3d in real time and, and interact with people and um I can't remember the exact project, but there was, I don't know if you, if you saw this, a few years ago, there was a project which created a bot that responded to people on Twitter and kind of scoured Twitter and used Twitter as the language model for, for interacting with people. And I, I can't remember the exact figure, but, you know, after kind of 24 hours, it had become racist and homophobic and xenophobic, and just because that was the language that people were using on the internet, and then it, it mimicked that. So, um, I think from an algorithmic perspective, it's probably early days for it. The bit where it gets interesting is that a lot of them at the moment are, are people wearing motion capture suits and it's, it's rendered. So you have a voice actor who can interact and it gets that, that real, real time interaction. But we're also seeing companies experiment with things like HR training. So the idea that, that you can simulate a stressful scenario, be that whether you're a doctor and you need to get consent to take blood and this person is incoherent or really drunk or just something you know kind of difficult to manage and then you can practice being in those stressful scenarios and have the avatar kind of changing their roots of how they deal with you and then you have to adapt accordingly and then you know you can begin to scale that and just think about all the industries that that could apply to simulating a redundancy or you know if you were a bereavement counselor kind of talking to, to someone who's been bereaved instantly you can you can kind of recreate those those human scenarios and so i think that there's huge applications from a hr from a learning and development also just from a human standpoint you know we're seeing we're seeing things like digital therapy become more and more popular even at a 
basic level. So there's telehealth, obviously, increases in in kind of therapists through through Skype, through Zoom. There's one in the UK called Mindler, and I'm sure you've got similar ones in the US. But also some research has shown that actually very often just answering questions. So even having a bomb, a bot prompt questions to you has a very similar effect. It's obviously not exactly the same. And I'm not saying, you know, this is this is better than therapy, but just having a question prompt like, how was your day? What were the highlights? And then consciously writing them down can have a positive impact on the brain. So again, you can kind of begin to think, is there a role for them in digital therapy, digital counseling, things like that? The the possibilities are endless. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Actually, I think having a therapist that's sort of what, what would be a word animated or whatever the word in anthro and anthropomorphic. Thank you. I think it's better because you are always still embarrassed to tell your therapist really everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so would you would you go for a, a kind of human cartoon or would you go for a hot dog or a bear or something? Could you would you feel comfortable telling your problems to a hot dog? I think I have. <laughs> Told me dog. Yeah, it was like, you know, a dollar fifty at Grace Papaya. It worked. Helped a lot, yeah. actually. So, okay. So that is definitely a, a wave, a trend, and, and that's happening. Tell us about some of your observations at Con Lion that you thought, well, I thought I knew everything and wow, I learned this. Yeah, so so we we kind of say internally or people in the industry, you know, that that kind of shit, I wish I thought of that moment. When you see a campaign, you just go, that's absolutely brilliant and there was no shortage of them this year it seemed like everything everything was was one of those i don't know if you saw the vaseline campaign called i think it was see my skin but just it came from the insight that just nine percent of images online if you search for skin condition you know kind of rash or something just nine percent of the images come from people with color the rest are white people so if you're a person of color it's incredibly difficult to do things like spot a melanoma because all of the imagery online is not geared towards someone who's got the same shade skin as you. So Vaseline created a database with loads of different skin shades and loads of really common skin problems with the idea being of, of improving equality in that space. And it's such a simple idea and it ties so well into Vaseline as a brand. It's, it's really, really effective. Another one was the Corona fishing competition where they paid fishermen in Mexico, I think over a couple of days to see how much trash they could pull out of the ocean. And the, the kind of winner got a large amount of money. And over the course of, of the time period, you know, they basically cleaned up the whole entire coast of this town in Mexico. And again, it just, it ties into Corona so perfectly, you know, Corona is doing lots of the oceans that are focused on plastic, but also they are a Mexican beer. So doing that in Mexico kind of brings it back full circle. And then one other one, I'm, I'm a keen cyclist and I also cycle online on a platform called Zwift where you attach, it's a bit like Peloton, but it's in a kind of metaverse and you create an avatar of yourself and you can kind of chat to friends. And it was very popular in lockdown because you couldn't do anything. So you could meet up with your friends and six of you could go cycling on this virtual world. And Decathlon, which I don't know if you have in the US, it's like a big, it's, I guess it's kind of like Dick's Sporting Goods, maybe. It's a big sporting retailer. If you want to buy a kayak, you can get it. If you want to buy a football, you can get it. And pretty much everything in between. And in the Netherlands, they created a, cycle, a virtual cycling team in a prison. And the idea being that they set up these bikes and then created a team who could race and compete and basically 
just focus on their mental health in the within the prison and obviously had huge benefits and just a really really nice positive campaign so there's no shortage of inspirational stuff that, that you just think wow i wish i thought of that you truly are a fan of the work and you go and you appreciate the work I was looking for the, the tangible takeaways. And I think that's a big takeaway for me, which is this is really a celebration of the work. And the work is beautiful. And that is the power of, it's the power of, of the field, which is the original short form, massive messaging packed in such a little bit of time. I enjoyed your session so much. Mm, thank sessions. you. Sessions. And I think it's a major component to con lions and i'd love to see more of that mm, definitely i think it's it's about trying to join the dots between everything from data through to culture really and you know seeing something inspirational whether it's a session or whether it's a piece of work and thinking actually that model or that piece of tech or that consumer insight is exactly what we need in our business so that's exactly what we need with with our clients really simple one that just you know, really, really effective was was IKEA as part of their recruitment drive started 3D printing meatballs. And when you come in for an interview now at, at IKEA, they have these 3D printers and they make vegetarian meatballs and they just literally kind of go like around like that, kind of in a spiral and get printed. And while you're doing the interview, you are printed and then afterwards you sit down with the person interviewing you and eat the meatballs to get to know them better. And I was like, it's just a, such a simple activation it's so so easy but it ties in perfectly with what ikea stands for and then even adidas from a kind of media activation point developed a billboard which had a swimming pool in and it came from the insight that 88 percent of women in the middle east feel uncomfortable swimming in public and they made this swimmable billboard to encourage people to climb up and jump in and swim to show them that that, that you know women can swim and, and that that stand challenging stereotype so that's that's a core idea you know that that idea of gender empowerment and, and diversity ran throughout the festival whether it was on the stages or in the work but just seeing how it, it activates in different regions or different media types or with different brands everyone has a slightly different idea and and that's really interesting really inspiring there was a there was a a very welcome amount of equity coverage. Yeah. One of the things to to kind of figure out is well, how does any of this relate back to commerce? And <laughs> big question, big question. It was there. It was not on stage. I will tell you right now. But I met a lot of people there who you know sort of come behind. They follow the peacocks. And then it's let's do business let's talk business yeah yeah definitely i mean the i feel like the industry as a whole is is if you look at china there's something crazy like like 80 percent of social commerce sales come through live streaming within china or some variation of live streaming whether that's group shopping or 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 a kind of live stream portal and over in the West, we haven't quite, we haven't got to the point where we've got a super app. And I know a few brands have tried to do that. WhatsApp, for instance, is slowly integrating more and more, more and more features into their program. But, you know, I don't know if, if, it will, if they'll ever end up there. Looking at China, more and more brands are thinking about things like live streaming and digital commerce and thinking about how they can plug it back into media. And actually, there's a brand called Pop Shop Live, which is 
a kind of cross between, it's kind of a little bit like QVC. It's a cross between TikTok and Depop. And the idea is that anyone can set up and become a, their own shopping channel. And you can sell on either on an affiliates model or you can sell your own things and kind of interact with fans and, and slowly build up a following. And we're beginning to see more and more consumers experimenting with shopping in, in live commerce, but also viewing that as, as a safe, acceptable way to shop. The thing that we always say about, about Gen Z is that obviously they're very, very savvy, but they are their own creative director. You know, they, they curate their Instagram, they curate their TikToks, they know exactly what aesthetic they want. They're their own stylists, they're purchasing clothes. They are reselling those clothes. They're reinvesting the money back into purchasing new clothes. They're on TikTok, they're on Depop, they're on Instagram. And they're managing these ecosystems pretty seamlessly. You know, whether that's buying a few items and, and wearing them and then reselling them or whether that is recycling them, they really understand this landscape. And when social commerce, live stream commerce begins to take off more in the West, they're going to fully embrace it. You know, it's, it's the older generations that are going to struggle with it as a concept. If you're watching something, again, on that QVC model, are you ready to commit to buying a new Le Creuset pan on a whim because there's a sale on and you've seen it on TikTok? You know, I'm speaking personally, I don't know if I'm quite there yet, but for younger generations, definitely. Obviously, maybe not Le Creuset pan, but a kind of different item that appeals to them. So it'll be interesting to see how the different demographics begin to adapt to that. I would agree. You know, live shopping, there are many, many service providers in the States that do live shopping. It just caught on as a, a place of not so much a lot of VC investment, but a lot of comp a lot of founders saying, this is where I want to be. It's huge in China, mm -hmm. huge attainable market based on that. And this was all pre-COVID. And you have several, I mean, for something that hasn't taken off, you have a lot of different options, mm -hmm. which has really been kind of strange how it never did take off here. And even in lockdown, it just was, there's something there. I don't really have my finger on it. TikTok on the other hand, obviously is immensely, immensely popular and now is highly commercialized, highly commercialized. Yeah. Everything is sponsored, everything is UGC. Yeah. Everything is creator content in terms of a brand alliance now. Most of it. Have you noticed? Yeah. And even even brands, brands are jumping on the back of TikTok. So Amazon have their internet famous storefront, which is just products that have gone viral mainly on TikTok. And just it's an Amazon landing page and it's just really easy to purchase something like the Scrub Daddy. You know, you've seen it on TikTok, you can find it. But Target have something similar for beauty products, which is viral trending beauty products. So you can pick up that concealer or that foundation that you've seen your favorite influencer talking about in a really, really easy way. And, you know, I don't know if they're doing it at the moment, but it, it makes sense to expand that and to, to fully turn those into affiliate links. So, you know, even if you've got micro influencers talking about it, you can link back to Target and, and get a percentage of that, that for sure. So brands are jumping on the back of it. I think even Barnes and Noble over in the US, most of the stores now have a table called BookTok, which is just books that have gone viral on TikTok. <laughs> yes. So we're almost out of time. Tell me about the white paper, the future consumer 2024. 
Yeah, so so Future Consumer, we presented it on the Tuesday or Monday at Cannes. Our, um, our CEO, Carla Bazazi, presented it. And it is the accumulation of pretty much a year's worth of research from all of our departments, fashion, beauty, lifestyles, insights. And we map out the emerging trends for, for two years in ahead and the emerging sentiments. So how your consumers are going to think, how they're going to feel, how they're going to behave and then build strategies off the back of that. So quite easily you can understand how people are going to be feeling in the future, what they're going to be looking for from brands, how you can support them, and then some brands that are doing that really well, really effective case studies, and then some action points that you can take away and hopefully plug and play for your business. And the white paper is available now. If you if you go onto wgsn.com, you'll be able to find it. Or if you search Future Consumer 2024 white paper, it's free to download. And yeah, I really, really encourage you to, to have a look because it powers a lot of the content that we produce. So there's references to the metaverse, Gen Z, virtual influencers. It's kind of a, a state of play for what the next two years are going to look like. That sounds incredible. And we'll make sure that we include the link. And I want to thank you, Joe. Thank you. No, thank you for having me. It's been great. It's amazing. And I, I think that you're, what you and WGSN do is a key component to any business. Otherwise, you're flying blind. I don't, I don't know why they wouldn't want this information. So yeah, it's absolutely, it's, it's, yeah, it's part of the ecosystem of, of planning a strategy. And I appreciate that you took the time and you were able to speak to us. No, thank you for having me. It's been great. My pleasure.